friends, and welcome back to Voices of the Sacred Feminine, whether you're across town or across the globe. And I want to say thank you to Alea Deo for uh, those uh, wise words, uh, awaken, uh, because that is certainly what we need to do and what so many of us are trying to accomplish, trying to awaken ourselves and the masses out there to... um, create that new normal we've all been talking about. And uh, tonight, um, I want to tell you about uh, our guest, uh, Chris Stein. Uh, Our topic is a woman in every seat. Uh, I'm so happy to have Chris returning to the show. Uh, She's the visionary founder of the Women of Wisdom Conference, which is celebrating its 25th year in February 2017 in Seattle. Uh, We're going to be discussing her work in just a moment and uh, share her wisdom and insight and to what it would look like with more women leaders at the top of organizations and what we can all do to make that actually happen. Uh, Chris is also the host of uh, Voices of Women uh, Women Radio Show, a Voices of Women Radio Show, and author of the number one Amazon best-selling, award-winning, and inspirational book, uh, Women of Wisdom, Empowering the Dreams and Spirit of Women. And uh, you'll hear a little bit more about Kristen in just a second, uh, but I just want to remind folks uh, that there are only about two weeks left in um, our Honor the Ancestors uh, programming that's been going on during the month of October uh, and into the early part of November, where we have been uh, honoring the ancestors uh, of our uh, deceased uh, foremothers and way showers, uh, people like Margot Adler, uh, Shakina Mountainwater, um, Patricia Monahan, uh, Lane Redman. Um, and uh, next week, uh, I'm actually going to be talking to Jack Dempsey and um, and uh, with Jack, uh, we're going to be talking about uh, his good friend Barbara Moore. Uh, you know, Barbara uh, uh, co-wrote the uh, the book uh, with uh, Monica. I, I think he, I've never heard her name pronounced actually. Uh, Monica Shu. Uh, uh, S-J-O-O, uh, maybe um, Chris can tell me actually how to pronounce it when I get her on the line here. Uh, they wrote The Great Cosmic Mother, Rediscovering the Religion of the Earth, uh, and we'll be uh, honoring Barbara uh, next week uh, with Jack Dempsey, uh, her close friend. So anyway, if uh, you have missed that or somehow you were not aware this was going on, um, have no fear. Uh, it is not going for good. Uh, you can very easily just go to my show page and uh, scroll down the archives uh, for the past few weeks and uh, you will find um, a tribute to all the women I mentioned. Uh, either uh, a tribute uh, given by uh, someone who was close to them and knew them well, or you will be hearing them uh, because I have interviewed so many of these uh, incredible uh, women and men on my show uh, over the years, and uh, their voices live on here uh, on Voices of the Sacred Feminine. So I, I hope you enjoy that because we do owe them so much, and this is the time of the year when we generally honor our ancestors. And uh, and that's what I was trying to do, and I hope you enjoy it. 
Well, uh, let me say hello to uh, to returning friend uh, Chris Steins. Uh, hi, Chris. Hi, Karen. Thanks for having me on the show. Well, I'm so uh, happy to have you here uh, to talk about the, uh, you know, the women of wisdom. Um, I think you visioned it way back in 1993, and uh, how impressive it is. And you know, for listeners uh, uh, who really want to probably look this up uh, after they hear our chat, uh, the website is womenofwisdom.org. Um, and uh, Chris, uh, she founded the nonprofit uh, Women of Wisdom, uh, where after five years as the executive director, she uh, created a collaborative leadership model called Circle Leadership uh, to manage the organization. Um, and uh, she's also formed Chrysalis Leadership in 2012 to assist women to unleash the leader within them, recognize the value of their voice, and to bring a new model of uh, collaborate leadership within the infrastructures and organizations. Um, and, you know, as if she's not busy enough, she's also a spiritual counselor, meditation teacher, and healer. Chris, uh, I don't know how you find the time, quite frankly. Do you ever sleep? <laughs> Oh, I try to. I'm at that age, too, where sometimes sleeping is, is hard. You know, you wake up in the middle of the night, can't get back to sleep, all that sort of stuff. But, um, yeah, you know, we're in that age group. But it's a, it's about finding that balance. And I need other things outside of, you know, I'm so involved in Women of Wisdom that I have to have the balance of other things in my life to um, have some sanity, for one thing. Yeah. And, yeah, and and just in yeah, it's just it's important to have that balance. I I think it's important that we're not um, caught up in just one thing. I've, I've seen that happen with people where um, they're in maybe in a spiritual group or or some organization, and that's 100 percent of their life is that, and they burn mm-hmm. out, and you know, and yeah. and end up leaving when they've given so much. Um, and so or, having that balance, or, you know, things. Or, or things go wrong for some reason, you know, maybe uh, nothing to do with them, and then suddenly mm-hmm. uh, their lives are empty because, uh, you know, they haven't taken the time to create that balance, to have more of a, a variety or diversity, and then, you know, they may find themselves in a bad spot. Yes, that's true. Yeah. So I've always had kind of two or three things going on <laughs> and, and finding yeah. that. Um, you know, I think it's good and healthy. And and also reducing the amount that I do at Women of Wisdom. I mean, that's one of the reasons of creating the collaborative leadership that, you know, five years, and I think people who are executive directors or leaders of organizations can relate to this, that everything's kind of on your shoulders, even though you may have people, staff, you might have, I don't know, we don't have staff at Women of Wisdom, it's all volunteers, or we have a board. When you're the lead person, there's a lot on your shoulders. And Oh, yeah. Um, the stress of that, and so that's one of the reasons I created the, and it's really a model that I developed out of, we've been using Christina Baldwin and Anne Linnea's book of the um, Way of Circle, the Circle Way or the Way of Circle. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it's, it's, it's a great book to learn the techniques of, of uh, circle leadership, of, of talking circles and how to operate and, and how to rotate leadership, response, sharing responsibilities, and so we've, we've been we incorporate those way back in using those. And then I just came yeah. up with the idea of the vision of having a model of a structure with an organization that it's run 
in that collaborative model. That it's not just one right. person making the decisions or having that, you know, on your shoulders that year. You're not, you're yeah, not I, alone. Well, I, I know uh, back in, oh, I guess the mid to late 90s, um, my husband and I started the ISIS Ancient Cultures Society, and we did an assortment of things from, um, you know, bringing in all sorts of different uh, groups of different traditions to show how they practice their spirituality, to promote diversity and, you know, common ground and understanding, to personal development salons, to, um, you know, newsletters and uh, ISIS-oriented stuff, uh, uh, you know, recreated ancient rituals in a modern context. So, you know, we were trying to cover a lot of different bases, and uh, we did that for, gee, over five years. And I know what you mean. You know, it gets really difficult because, you know, if somebody drops the ball, uh, especially in these volunteer-type organizations, there's not always a lot of people uh, to pick it up. You know, uh, so you you really do have to uh, think about that burnout, and you know, and I have to admit, um, I give you kudos because um, I didn't realize how exhausted I was until I got the opportunity to write my first book, and I had to sort of retreat from the organization a bit to get the book done because I was I was working full time as well, and I enjoyed that solitary work so much I never. Really Really, ever went back into uh, you know organizing uh, as fully after that. You know, uh, it it just uh, just didn't appeal to me as much anymore. I, I used to uh, lovingly refer to it as herding cats. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, it's like that. And I, one of the issues, and it's it's, a, it's an ongoing issue of of having this kind of collaborative circle leadership, is the accountability factor. You know, especially when you have volunteers, because everybody has their own life and their own work, and they come to a meeting once once a month. You know, if you're a council and and or board, and you know, it's that follow up of every month. Did you, you know, did people do what they said they were going to do? And and so that um, we've worked out ways. Okay, how do we how do we achieve that accountability of that people will follow up and. And and do what they yeah. say they're going to do. We're all busy, but it's, right. it's, it's a difficult, you know. And, right. and so sometimes I fill in the holes because things have to be done with your event, an event organization. They have to be done. And right. Um, and so it's it's teaching that level of responsibility when you say you're going to do something, that you make the you making the commitment and that you do that. And um, sometimes you have to teach that. You know, what does that mean? The impact when you don't right. do that. How impacts other people. Exactly, exactly. So is so uh, and and I want to get to the the good stuff and all the success mm-hmm. um uh and and hear about that cuz I mean you've been going strong 25 years now so you must uh you must really be getting it right. But you know I I I don't I I can't ignore the elephant in the living room, you know? I mean uh in, in Los Angeles, I mean, I don't know if it's the same in uh, in Seattle. Uh, I, I think I would imagine it's probably the same everywhere. But you know, sometimes it's really hard to keep peace and harmony in a group. Sometimes it's really hard to uh, have women not, uh, you know. Uh, 
do the patriarchy in a skirt thing, you know. Uh, you know, there's the competition, there's the divas, there's, um, you know, all the rest. You know, there's the yeah. – um, uh, and, I, and I guess I just wonder, um, have you found any secrets to um, keep that stuff at bay? I, I'll say we, we've done a pretty good job. I mean, there's always personalities going to come across that. You know, there's going to be difficulties. But one thing that we created is a, is a healing circle model. And so when we come across this conflict, we've actually had a healing circle. And it's, it's a talking circle. So it's done in safety. We create the parameters. Um, everybody gets to share. And it's kind of a circular discussion of it keeps going deeper and deeper until all the issues are out. And then Together, everybody comes up with a solution. Everybody shares. All of a sudden, they come to a place where you realize, oh, there's some. Here's the source of this issue. It's not maybe there's a policy that wasn't in place, or we need clarity, and we all work together to create. Okay, what is the solution here? And that's really done a lot to. Uh, and you know, it takes years. I mean, I'll have to say we've we've been at it doing the circle leadership for more than ten years. And it takes years developing it. And after several years, there's that sense of trust that's been developed. And so Mm -hmm. we can confront each other lovingly, have those kind of difficult conversations, and move through it. And I think sometimes that's the problem is, you know, that fear of diving into that difficult topic, the elephant in the living room, and, um, you know, and hurting people's feelings or how are people going to react to this if I bring this up and all that. And so... You know, you have to build that safety and that sense of trust, and it takes time. Yeah. And it takes people hanging yeah. in there and being with you for a while because you can't just have and keep people in and out, in and out, and the constant new people. But when we've had a solid base of people, say after five years, when new people come, they're able to slip right in into that model. Yeah. We're modeling yeah. it. So um, not to say there isn't problems and there's challenges, but in any group you're going to have that. But I don't find in in our organization that we have that kind of backbiting and that competition and, and all that that kind of goes on maybe in corporate world that you would in a workplace. Yeah, you know, because, you, you know, you have gossip and triangulation and you have people creating narratives about people that aren't true. And, you know, there's just so much shadow stuff. Um, mm-hmm. You know that can uh, you know that can be at play. Um, you know I've I've seen it um, uh, you know dissolve or weaken the strongest of groups. Yes, and I think that's and why it's important to um, do this work of um, like you know uh, reading a book like The Circle Way and um, understanding shadow and understanding how you can. Um, talk openly about what's going on in a safe discussion. You know, when you're not mm-hmm. accusing people, where you're, you're everybody's speaking in I terms and you're not making, you know, pointing your finger to somebody else and recognizing this is a group process and we're all part of this and we all have, we've all been contributing to this issue. And um, it makes a difference of how you approach those things. Yeah. And so what was the title of that book again for any listeners out there that maybe are uh, struggling? Yeah. Yeah. Well, the author is Christina Baldwin, and it's The Circle Way. 
the circle way. Okay, great. Yeah. So um, so our topic again tonight, just to repeat it, a woman in every seat, uh, what would that look like? Um, now, I, I, are you talking about women in politics or women in business or a little bit of everything? I'm talking a little bit of everything. I think it's important wherever we are that we own our seat, we own our voice, whether you're on a committee, whether you're in a, working for a company, whether you're in politics, that you, you, um, even I think it's, um, um, you know, the book Lean In talks about that of, you know, if you see women have have a way to sit back or, or, um, or like sit in the back of the room or not sit up to the table, not be at the table and participating fully, or women women need to do that now. We need to not censor our voices and not be afraid to speak up. And so it's at any time in our lives, wherever we are, because it reflects who we are. You know, if we don't do it in our home or don't do it in a committee and feeling that um, we're also not going to do it at work. Right, right. Well, and, you know, one thing, you know, right now I'm in the middle of taking one of Rianne Eisler's uh, cultural transformation classes. And, you know, human nature and things like that are some of the things we're talking about. And, um, you know, it came up how difficult it is for women in society uh, to express anger, for instance, you know, righteous anger about uh, uh, injustice in the world and that sort of thing. Uh, You know, and it's almost as if women are in a trip bag, so to speak, you know, because um, there's a lot to be angry about, but then just let a woman show some anger and then, you know, she's a shrew or a bitch or she's strides or, uh, you know, somehow that, that uh, you know, that anger and upset uh, is not okay. And I think that just uh, maybe makes women doubly angry then, you know, that they have to suppress, uh, you know, their feelings or, um, you know, not, uh, not talk about the things that are, uh, that are going on. And, you know, have you found that at all? Um, you know, in, in you know, teaching women to step up that uh that's ever uh that that's ever an issue? Well, I, I think it's an ongoing issue of, you know, and it, it may maybe not even just women, but you know, to it's not okay to be angry. Um I think I think we have to learn how we approach things and that we're not reacting and we're coming from a place of strength and action and and core our core beliefs versus reacting to what someone said. Because if we're reacting, we're going to get that pushback, that reaction back. And so sometimes it's learning how to be um, with others when we are angry about something and how to, how to communicate that in a productive way. And that's a learning and a, and a, and a practice. So I think also there's a thing of don't beat ourselves up when, we, when it doesn't go right, when we aren't receiving, yeah. you know, that it's learning how to do it. And I found, like, okay, we've been in the talking circle arena. I've been, you know, for... 20-some years, and and I know when I first started out, my voice wasn't that strong. Uh, I might be strong in a woman wisdom group where there's all women, I feel safe, and then I might go out in another group, and I don't feel safe, and I, I'm quiet. And after years of having, it's kind of like practice in a safe environment of sharing, what um, that I, I'm out in public now, I don't censor myself like I used to. I don't worry that there's a guy at the table and what am I going to say? And he's, you know, there's even that, there's that, there's that that women do. There's a different environment when, when it's co-ed, when there's men and women together versus when it's all women. And I'm finding I'm, I'm less different now when I'm in a mixed group. 
And that just comes from practice and feeling safe and stronger from having been in these situations where I have been supported by other women. I have been listened mm-hmm. to. I think that's what we want is being witnessed and being listened to. And when you have a safe container of a talking circle, one of the elements is you're listening attentively and you're speaking right. intentionally. Those are two key things, listening attentively and speaking intentionally. Um, you know, are you speaking to serve yourself or are you speaking to serve the group? You know, why, are, mm-hmm. why you know, if you're feeling an edge to speak, to ask yourself, okay, is this, you know, my ego, you know, or is this, um, is this important to say that the group needs to hear this? And so, this, you know, I just think it takes a lot of practice, and that's why I really encourage women to be in, have created women's circle, of, of, even if it's just friends, even if there's just three of you, because um, practice makes a difference. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, um, and it and it helps to be in a supportive environment too, you know. Um, you know, where uh, I, I know there was I, I hear women all the time talk about how um, you know you know maybe they were part of a group that was you know so judgmental and uh, it just made them feel like they um, didn't want to share their voice because they thought uh, um, you know they they were going to be judged as opposed to, um, you know, a supportive environment where it, it really just helps people stretch and grow and, you know, where it's okay to make mistakes and, uh, uh, you know, more of a nurturing environment. Mm-hmm. And that's what we created at Women of Wisdom. It feels that way. I think, too, it's important to show our vulnerability and show our fears that actually if you spoke up and said, well, I'm, I'm afraid to say this because I feel I might be judged, you might find people really aren't judging you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, because we project a lot. Our own worries that we're going to be judged stops us from speaking when maybe we're not even going to be judged. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, who knows, you know, the thing you want to say, uh, you know, you might say it and, every, and you'll look around the circle and people will be nodding their head in agreement, you know, rather than, uh, <laughs> uh, than you know, than you feeling uh, like you regretted it. You know, um, so mm-hmm. so women of wisdom. Um, it goes back to '93. Um, is this yeah. your baby? I mean, did you vision it, birth it, um, and and was there a catalyst? Uh, yes, I did birth it, visioned it. It actually came from reading the book, The Feminine Face of God. I'm sure you know that book. Um, Tish Hopkins and Cherry Anderson wrote that. Mm-hmm. On, you know, back mm-hmm. in early '90s, I suppose. So I had read the book. I was a um, on the board at Seattle Unity Church, and they had a weekly speaker program. People came into town every Wednesday night. And I just all of a sudden, after reading the book, and, and I already had done a lot of personal healing work too, this vision came in of, oh, we should bring women speakers like people from this book. There was, you know, the book is a compilation of many stories of women from different spiritual backgrounds and and I love that. I love stories. And, and um, so, and then it came in very clearly. This was like in a clear night, like 11 at night, when it was just quiet. And I was driving down the highway. Felt like the only road on a car on the road. And, and it, it just also came in like, no, it needs to be a week long, not a weekly, you know, once a week thing, but a week long conference to build community. And I, I just, I went to the ministers the next day. Like, there was no question in my mind. I had some steps before then that knew I was leading to, a mission of building community or bringing people together. But so when I came in, it was just like, yeah, 
you know, there's no doubt. You know, oftentimes when we get those ideas, well, how could I do that? And and I went to the minister and said, sure, go for it, and brought together a group of women. And we just we created the wheel, the first wheel of creating this conference um, um, from scratch. And we were just doing a conference. We didn't know what it was going to build to. And I, even the first night I got up and I, I said, uh, welcome to the first annual. I didn't know that was coming out of my mouth. Um, so every year it, it it evolved, and you know, and it, and what we developed in that first year, this process, everything we still kind of do is like we really built a base in that first year of what it means to be a woman of wisdom, to have this event, and those are still in play. Those are still important attributes of woman of wisdom, and and well, one I, of the I, things that came from that. Hmm? That would no no go go ahead keep going. Oh, I thought you were going to ask a question. Um, one of the things that came out of that and that I've seen in every workshop, and we're a very experiential conference, it's, it's many workshops. and uh, You're not sitting in a room with 500 people and listening to speaker after speaker. We have intimate, small workshops. And, and, and every workshop is a place where women can share their stories. And I saw that the first year. I see it every year. And I think that's one of the most important things of women coming together to tell their stories because we all learn from each other's stories. Right. Well, so um, just so I, I, I totally understand the structure, so um, this isn't something that uh, women necessarily meet on a monthly basis, This or is that part of it too? Because um, you're saying it's an annual week-long conference, but um, do you have these satellite meetings as well beyond the uh, annual uh, Women of Wisdom? Yes, we've uh, and they they've changed and evolved over the years. We used to do a we had a community connection day once. Um, I'm not sure we ever did once a month, but we do some circles. We have a drum circle. We have an elder circle. We have a couple of circles that are kind of outside of Seattle area where they do different things every month. Um, and so it's important to kind of you know uh, people can continue that connection and and the gathering together with other women. But our main core is our conference, and we used to be nine days long. Right now, it's not a full week. It's it's we've we've had to um, reduce that down. I'm volunteering now too. We don't have the, the resources to do a full. I mean, it was so intense. We went we started at one week, and then we went from Friday night to the following Saturday night. It was like nine days. Wow, and, you know, that's incredible. Yeah, I, 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 I'm amazed. I'm amazed that you can get people to commit uh, to to do something for that long of a period. I mean, it's like you'd take your vacation from work to go. Yes, well, some people do, but just to tell our our structure, one of the things we first decided is we didn't want it to be a conference where everybody had to pay one price and come the whole time. We wanted it to be accessible for people, and so there's weekend passes, but there's everything is individually priced. So when we had that week long, people flowed in and out. And it, it really was a wonderful flow. You could come in and, and not feel like you missed something because everybody was flowing. And, it's like, and that's woman's nature. And, and so people can come at whatever level they want to come, time-wise or money-wise. And now we do a Thursday night through Monday. And we have a, a, one, a pre-conference um, intense, two-day intensive. But then we open Thursday night and uh, finish on Monday afternoon with a banquet and finale. So... What's that? Four and a half days. It and, sounds well. It sounds uh-huh. wonderful. I mean, what what type of topics and um, you know uh, subjects do you generally cover? 
Well, we cover anything women are interested in. We accept applications and um, what, you know, the wealth of, of leaders, I and mean, a lot of people from Seattle, but people come from out of state too. Um, you know, we have a drum making workshop. We have a workshop on intuition. We have a drawing workshop. We have a workshop on forgiveness. We have a one on tarot. We have song music ones. We have movement ones. We have you know, it's you know, it's an overarching umbrella. Everything means anything that women are interested in. You know, so right, we have herbal right. ones. We have um, awaken your life purpose. I'm just throwing out some titles. We have we have somebody who does Celtic circles. Um, there's ones on a relationship or Shakti rising. Do you usually you know, have a Do you usually have a red tent or something like that at the uh, at the conference? Uh, we we you know we called it a pink tent. We're just sort of a meditation place for people to hang out, and um, okay. that's sort of changed on and off during the years. I'm not sure. We have a space issue too, where we can do stuff. <laughs> but um, and cause so, what do you college, so, so Chris? What, what do you think keeps women from stepping up into leadership, whether it be uh, you know to do a weekend workshop or to run for office or uh, you know, try to get that management job. Uh, you know, uh, you know, or or you know, give a talk at their local church. You know, um, do you, have you have you you found that there's sort of a common thread that uh, you know makes women cautious? Uh, I think there are issues that make women cautious to step into leadership, and 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 I say even with a leader in every seat, you're you're a leader in your own house, your own home. Your, um, to own that leadership of your life. Because I, I remember uh, many years ago doing a leadership workshop and knowing what, you know, if you say leadership, how many people come to the workshop? Because, well, I'm not a leader. So they think a leader is a leader <laughs> right. of an organization. Well, we're all leaders. You know, just our voice is a, within us is a leader. And um, so I, I think it all ties to a woman valuing their voices. I think it's tied in with our society that's not honored women's voices. So we grew up. And that's why I think it's very important that women do speak up so that the younger generation see women have powerful voices. And um, because we grew up not seeing women in leadership roles, so we're kind of um, patterned, programmed to not be leaders because it's not valued. Our voices aren't valued. And so why bother? That whole mm-hmm. thing of not feeling listened to or, you know, we've all gone through that. And I've talked to many women right. who work you give up because they don't feel listened to. So why, why bother? And right, um, right. <laughs> and I think more and more we're seeing women being in lead. The more we see women as leaders and being respected as leaders, um, you know. And we have we're we're lucky here in Seattle area. We have a lot of women leaders. There's a lot of women elected to public office. We've had a woman governor. We have women senators. Um, you know, and so we're not hesitant to have women in powerful positions. But still, even in the state of Washington, it's three percent of corporate leaders are women, you know, like CEOs, 3%. Well, yeah, I mean, even nationally, I mean, the statistics are dismal. Um, uh, Women's leadership in, uh, what is it, corporate America, academia, religious uh, institution, and I'm trying to think of what the fourth one is, but all politics, all of them, you know, there's less than, there's less than 20% of women, you know, I I think even maybe 17% or less, um, you know, so, uh, you know, women are way underrepresented and, uh, uh, 
Yeah, and, and you know, and, and I, I wondered, you know, I, I heard an article, uh, I heard, I, how could I hear an article? I heard a story on television and, and read an article about one of the things that uh, holds women back um, is, uh, for instance, in politics, just sort of the, you know, in the mud you know, kind of struggle of it, you know, is 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 more distasteful, you know, to women, uh, you know, than it is to men. You know, they just don't want to, um, you know, they don't want to have to play the game and compete. And uh, and, and do you find that at all? Uh, you know, is, or I mean, well, or, or is that maybe just a symptom of women do things differently? Well, I I think we. Um we look at those, that's a patriarchal system, and it's like putting a square peg in a round hole. We don't fit, you know, and so we don't mm-hmm. feel comfortable in that environment that's competitive. And the structure is an old structure. It's an old paradigm. And I think we're looking for a new paradigm, and I think the paradigm will shift if women come into these organizations and start allowing for bringing in their energy, that feminine energy to allow the shift to happen. And, and I think it's happening. I've seen it happening. I think the millennials are doing a good job of being creative and, and doing things differently. Um, so I think we have to allow, allow ourselves um, to take that risk to go in there and make suggestions, you know, to when you see things, you know, to get your voice out there of how things could be done differently. Because we are in a, we're in this shift. We're in this transition time, and we kind of don't know, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. We don't, we don't yeah. know how to fit in this place anymore, and the old paradigm isn't working, but they don't know how to shift. And it's really, I think, women that are coming to make the shift, and so that's why I, why it's very important to women, you know, to be in, the, in their seats, to be, to, to be at the table. Oh, excuse me. I had to take a sip of water. I found a, I, I, I have hiccups. Uh, just suddenly, all of a sudden, I apologize. Well, um, uh, and, and, you know, to piggyback, you know, on that point, uh, Chris, how do you think uh, things would change if we could uh, convince more women, uh, you know, to actually get out there and, um, you know, shift things so that, you know, like in the Scandinavian countries, um, you know, they have the 40% solution where, you know, after the government has uh, provided free education, you know, they set, you know, the, they've sat down with corporate, uh, you know, uh, corporate Scandinavia, so to speak, and said, you know, they have to have 40% of, uh, you know, of, of women in the boardroom, too. Um, I mean, do you see, I mean, do you have a, any thoughts on if uh, we should regulate things like that? Uh, and, you know, irregardless of your answer, you know, how do you think things would change if, somehow by some means whatever it is uh you know we do end up with more leaders uh who are women at the top of organizations i think we'd see a lot of change i mean it might be gradual you know because um things don't happen overnight but i i think there is a different um i i'm my family's norwegian i've been in norway i have there's a different feeling different tone in the country when I'm around the men there, I don't. I feel very different than when I'm in the U.S. And I think there's the. Um, I, I think there would be an honoring of women's voices. And one of the things you know, Jean Houston talks about this: that women are about process, and it's really the feminine. I mean, there can be men with this, too, and the masculine is about product. 
and you need both. And when you're so just action-oriented and, and um, in a linear mindset, you miss a lot. And I think women can bring so much to the table of honoring the process mm-hmm. and really really allowing things to flow and be and 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 there's going to be more concern of of issues that are important to women. Um yeah, I think we bring I, I, the table, I think so. there I think I think there was an MIT study that said that uh, the most successful companies do have women at the top uh, because women um, women don't miss the 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 cues, you know, the the body language, uh, the social mm-hmm. cues, um, you know, they they just have that you know intuitive edge uh, that men, um, you know, that that men really just don't always have, and uh, you know that you can imagine, you know, how useful that may be in uh, negotiation or just um, you know better people skills, maybe. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So yeah, well, speak to speak to that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, speak to that. Uh, you, you brought up an interesting uh, topic that you know when you're when you're in the Scandinavian countries, the energy is different. Um, uh, explain that a little bit. Well, it was just. I mean, I, we were visiting family and cousins, and I um, I thought it was an. I was in Italy. I did a month sabbatical, and I rented an apartment from a friend, which is your grandfather's apartment. And it was pre-summer, so it was sort of a, 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 a resort town on the a very small town on the waterfront, and not many people there. And I was like alone, almost in this apartment building. And I never felt so safe in my life. And I know if I was here in Seattle in an apartment building by myself, I would not feel safe. I'd feel a little on edge, you know. I'm alone in this big building. And there's that feeling. And then there was just a feeling of the men I was around, that there was a more of a gentleness. Like they allowed the feminine in to themselves. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Lovely. I, I like that. Uh, that, that that's interesting. I, I, I wasn't sure where you were going to go with that, but that that wasn't it. <laughs> Um, so, um, so all right. So this year, the 25th conference is uh, is mm-hmm. coming up quickly in in February. Uh, what's the theme of the conference? And tell us about some of the presenters. Oh, I'd love to. Yeah, the theme is remember who you are, honoring ourselves, we heal our world. And actually, it comes from our very first theme we had was remember who we are. And we're kind of doing, because it's our 25th anniversary, we're kind of doing a, like a feeling of a best, the best of wow. It's kind of where we went back to our original theme, although we changed it to remember, remember who you are. And a lot of the presenters are women that have been at Women of Wisdom over the many years. It, it, it looks like a brand-new conference because many people um, are from 10, 15 years ago, and so people who currently go wouldn't have been to their workshops. And um, we have a mix of we bring featured guests that do a keynote evening or do a full-day workshop. And then we have what we call our local workshops, our three-hour workshops put on by many women leaders from the area and, like I said, sometimes women from out of town. And so our featured guests this year are um, we have a two-day intensive with Nikki Scully and Normandy Ellis. They do the uh, mm-hmm. Egyptian Mysteries. And um, yeah. they're even going to yeah, they're they're fun. They've been at well before, and and it's also they're going to um, be working on becoming an oracle. And then our our keynote person, a special person we're bringing is Carolyn Muir, um, who is you know author of um, 
Tantra, the Art of Conscious Loving, and she's going mm-hmm. to do Divine Feminine Awakening. She does our evening talk, our opening night, Thursday night, and a full-day workshop. And another uh, lovely woman is Lori McCammon, and she's the author of a new book called Enough, um, How to Liberate Yourself and Remake the World with Just One Word. And um, <laughs> fabulous woman. Of, it's, a, it's a fabulous book and just a concept of we're, we're enough. You know, we've heard, mm-hmm. you know, we always deal with that, like, thinking we're not enough and all that. So, yeah, she's also, yeah, she's also I mean, doing a workshop. Think- well, I mean, just think of the money that women spend on cosmetic surgery, you know, uh, because, you know, patriarchy tells them they're not thin enough, they're not beautiful enough. You know, they have vaginal rejuvenations, there's anal bleaching, bot- you know, Botox, uh, everything, you know, everything else, um, you know, or, or, you know, women cripple themselves to look beautiful and, you know, high heels and, um, I mean, the stuff we put ourselves through. Um, and when when we are enough, we really shouldn't have to do that unless we really want to. Yes, yeah. So she's, yeah, it's great. She's going to do a workshop on a deep dive into the true essence of self. And then we have a couple of women one is uh, Rebecca Gordon, who's the author of Your Body and the Stars, and uh, she's going to do a workshop on your cosmic signature, create the lifestyle to, to suit your soul. And then Randy Reagan, who's from your area in L.A., she's the author of, she has a new book, uh, A Year of Living Mindfully, and, uh-huh. and she's going to do a workshop on Everyday Sacred, Art of Transforming Daily Habits into Awakened Well-Being. So those are our featured guests, and... Uh, and we also have a concert. Saturday night's kind of a fun night. We have a, a great concert happening, and we're going to be doing a celebration ritual of our 25th year. And then all these three-hour workshops, which I already mentioned, some of them, there's lots to choose from that are over the weekend, Saturday through Monday, um, all three-hour in-depth. You know, it's, it's a nice thing about Women of Wisdom is you have, three, you have some time to do some work and meet people and connect with people in workshops. So, you know, when you go to a conference, you tend to have an hour, an hour and a half, in a large group, mm-hmm. and you're still listening to a speaker. It's not very interactive, and ours is just very experiential. Um, so, so where do you? Know. Where is it usually held at a hotel so that you can accommodate out of towners, or what's the plan? Uh, no, we're yeah, we're at no, we're at a North Seattle College. It's in the north end of Seattle, and it's just five minutes from hotel. So we have a we have a, a conference hotel, and they have a shuttle that takes people back and forth. And most of we have a lot of local people, so. We have a hotel available for people who come from out of town, and then a lot of people commute, you know, locally. So that mm-hmm. works out well. So, yeah, so. Um, I mean, you you must feel pretty incredible uh, with this, you know, with with this awesome legacy. I mean, not that the rest of the stuff that you're doing isn't incredible. I mean, you're an author, spiritual counselor, teacher, healer. Uh, but how how does it feel to um, you know to have this as uh, uh, as your legacy, 25 years in and going strong? Yeah, it is kind of amazing, and I'm, I mean, actually, I feel like I'm kind of reaching retirement age too. That, um, how, and you know, the question is, how do you leave your legacy? How does it continue? And that means people stepping up into, um, you know, to carry it forward. Because you know, I'm 67, so I'm not, I'm not going to be able to do it forever. And um, 25 years is a long time to hold that, and it's 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 pretty amazing. To even you know, conferences don't last this long, really. Which I always think of Woman of Wisdom. As being her own entity, you know, it's um, she's an um, entity in herself, and she's kept us going. 
it's not just a conference. Yeah. Mhm. Mhm. Well, and and you know, and and passing the legacy along, you know, I mean, that's kind of uh, a scary thing uh, as well. You know, I mean, you certainly want to pass it along to good hands uh, that are going to nurture it and continue it, and you know, not let it fizzle. Um, mm-hmm. You know, have you figured out figured out how to accomplish that when you're ready to retire? <laughs> No, and and I I know it's it's an ongoing transition, and I've been working, you know, aware of it for the last several years, and 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 partly what this year I've been dealing with is even even grieving that, you know, there's the grief process of letting go of something that you know when you've been so mm-hmm. involved and had birthed something, and you know you're 25 years into something, there's I've had to this year I've been feeling that grief of letting that go, and yeah, I'm I I've come around the bend for that now I feel kind of excited of that possibility and and I think the next generation needs to take it on you know it needs to evolve yeah. for what what the what our world is calling for now um you know things don't so do do well I mean most of the stuff that you're talking about I can see that it's geared toward women but I'm curious have you uh, do men ever attend I, I mean, like the banquet yeah, or the... Um, not the banquet, but all our evenings are open to men. So we have two keynote talks, Thursday, Friday night, and Saturday night at the concert. And Sunday night, we do workshops that include men. So all the evenings are open to men. That's great. And there's a That's nice, great. You know, it's a nice blend of, you know, men are there either to support women or they're also into the feminine and want to explore the feminine spirituality, too. Right, right. That's awesome. Well, Chris, um, is there there anything I haven't thought to ask you that uh, maybe you wanted to sh- share about any of your work or the conference coming up or the the circle leadership or anything anything else? Well, um, yeah, I just want to put out there that I know you, your your show probably is national, international, and and. Um, one of the things we do is teach circle leadership, and I'm, and one of my transition things is to go to other cities and um, do workshops or do training. Um, you know, love to go to other groups to talk with them on circle leadership um, and do some trainings. And so that is available, um, and people can contact me. They can find me on my website, um, chrysalisleadership.com, and also emailing Woman of Wisdom because I, I get the emails there. And so that's something that I, I get excited about and I'd love to do just to um, help others out there, you know, create this new structure of circle leadership yeah. and having a feminine model of leadership. Well, you know, I have to tell you, it's so incredibly impressive. Um, you know, every time I see, you know, I mean, I've seen you do this year in and year out, year in and year out. We've known each other, you know, for, a, a you know, a, a while now. Uh, you know, we've been on each other's show and, and that sort of thing. And I remember when your book came out. And um, one one of these days I'm going to have to make it up there to Seattle and check this thing out. <laughs> yeah, so you should do that on the 25th year. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, maybe so. Special maybe year. that's the yeah. that's the yeah special time to do it. I'll I'll have to give that some thought. Uh, thank you, thank yeah. you for the invitation. Um, yeah. Well, okay. So uh, just to uh, say, uh, you know, let folks know your website again. Um, you know, it is uh, it is your your uh, your well, womenofwisdom dot org, uh, and your yeah. and your radio show, uh, transformationradio.fm. dot 
Um, any other websites um, to uh, you know to find you you know your personal work or? Oh, that would just be the chrysalisleadership.com. And then the radio okay. show, they would look for they would look for um, my name, Chris Danis, or Voices of Women in the TransformationRadio.fm. Yeah, and I have my shows every Friday at one o'clock Pacific time. Now, I, uh, right now, I'm interviewing okay. a lot of our women wisdom speakers, and during the year, I you know, so I, I interview women authors, and and um, it, it's great for get women's voices out there and for other women to hear and men to hear yeah. from them. Uh, Absolutely. I mean, it and, and it and it helps. Uh, you know, it, it it's a it's a partnership. You know, I mean, it it just makes perfect sense that you would interview the people. Um, you know, that are going to be appearing at the conference. You know, just give them an, mm-hmm. you know, a little extra a little extra exposure, and uh, um, you know, maybe encourages some people to come um, to the conference as well. Yes. Yes. Okay. All right. Well, Chris, um, you know, it's it's been swell, you know, having you back again. You know, you're welcome any time. I, I just want to wish you well with all the incredible work you're doing in the world. I mean, you know, you're doing the work of five women. <laughs> um, so, you know, don't don't feel the least bit guilty when you decide to retire a little bit and, uh, you know, <laughs> and pull, pull back and give yourself a break. Uh, a, a little bit. Uh, you've you've certainly uh, done your part, uh, you know, to make the world a better place. Yeah, that fits with um, Lori McCammon's um, talk on enough. And I remember even um, Christina Baldwin. I told you the book that she wrote of the Circle Way. She has told me too. You know, what I've done is enough. Mm-hmm. And all yeah. of us, all of yeah, us feel that way. You know, what we've done yeah. is enough, and I don't have to push myself to. You know, what did I do wrong? What should I have done? What should I do more of? All that I've done enough. <laughs> Yeah, 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 and I mean we don't have to keep proving ourselves, you know. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean we're, uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I like that. Enough, enough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Chris. Well, listen. Um, okay. You have a you, you and your family have a wonderful Thanksgiving and uh, solstice and Christmas, whatever it is you, uh, you know, you celebrate. And uh, I just hope you have a wonderful 2017 and. Uh, you know, a, a great uh, conference for your 25th year, quarter of oh, quarter of the century. Yeah. <laughs> thank you so much. Thanks for having me on the show. Appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. Good night. Okay, good night. Well, listeners, uh, we've been talking to Chris Stein uh, from womenofwisdom.org. Uh, uh, you really want to check check uh, wisdom, uh, Women of Wisdom out, uh, as well as Chris's book, uh, Women of Wisdom, Empowering the Dreams and Spirit of Women, and as she said, uh, her radio show on Friday nights, Voices of Women's uh, radio show on transformationalradio.fm. And uh, before we go tonight, um, I wanted to uh, share with you a review about Joe Carson's new book, uh, Celebrate Wildness. And uh, this review is by Dana Corby. And she wrote it in her blog uh, called The Rantan Raven. And Dana said about Joe Carson's new book, Celebrate Wildness, and I quote, uh, when people wonder aloud how the Wicca of Southern California became so much more nature-oriented and wild than the British traditions from which it arose, the one factor they don't take into account but should is ferraferia. 
Feriferia, a word Fred Adams coined from Greek roots meaning wilderness festival, is a pagan tradition unlike any other. Based on Fred's vision of the divine feminine, the sacredness of Eros, and the potential for intentional communities that truly do no harm to anything, it also draws upon themes familiar to Wiccans such as sacred landscapes, prehistoric beliefs, and the fairy faith. Fred intended that Feriferia should lead the world into a paradisal future in which freedom, eros, and play are the core values, where that built by human hands merges seamlessly into the wild and the fae romp among us. Celebrate Wildness is a unique, exquisite, and profound book. It created in me a sort of homesickness, a wistfulness for the idealist I was. We all were back when we and the world and the magic were all young and fresh. Though it's a short book, only 115 pages, they are art-laden pages filled with art. And don't expect to read it quickly. Take your time, let it sink into your subconscious, and what bobs to the surface will surely be wondrous, unquote. Okay, so um, sounds enticing, doesn't it? It's a great book. I am so pleased to have a copy. It's something you would probably want to give as a gift or have in your library. That's Celebrate Wildness. Uh, you can get it for $45 from feraferia.org. I'll spell that, F-E-R-A-F-E-R-I-A.org. It's an oversized, hardbound book on heavy paper uh, filled with art-laden pages. $45, Feraferia. That is by Joe Carson, and again, the title is Celebrate Wildness. Well, uh, that about does it for me tonight, uh, dear listeners. Uh, I just wanted to remind you that uh, next week, uh, Jack Dempsey will be on the show, and we're going to be talking about the uh, the foremother, Deborah Moore, and uh, we have some other great guests uh, coming on the show in November. Uh, right after Thanksgiving, we're going to have Carol Christ and Judith Plaskow. Uh, they're going to be here talking about their new book, uh, Goddess and God in the World. Uh, also, um, uh, one of the other guests, uh, that uh, that I'm happy to have is Barbara Wilder. Uh, we're going to be doing a show uh, that with the topic Money is Love, Transforming the Energy Around Money from Fear and Lack to Love and Abundance. So, sounds like a great show for the month of Thanksgiving, doesn't it? Well, I think so too. Thank you, dear listeners. Uh, I appreciate you uh, tuning in every week. And uh, please be sure you check the archives and uh, have a listen to some of the tributes or the voices of our uh, foremothers who have given us so much and who have uh, passed beyond the veil. Uh, They can be found right there on the show page. Also, too, I invite you, as always, to check out my website, karentate.com. If you go there, you will find lots of free meditations. Um, There are links to um, workshops that I've given, to my YouTube channel, uh, talks that I've given. 
uh, lots of free stuff, including my books, uh, which I hope you will um, pick up a few copies uh, for the holidays. And uh, as I always remind you, uh, what you uh, nurture and support, it thrives, and what you neglect, uh, it withers. Uh, If this show is meaningful to you, if it has made a difference in your life, um, I hope you will consider uh, sending in a donation. And you can do that easily uh, by going to uh, KarenTate.com, go to the Goddess Store page, scroll all the way down to the very bottom to the PayPal button there, and you can leave a donation of any amount. Okay. Well, that all said, I will say good night, and may you have a wonderful weekend, and I'll be back next Wednesday. Good night.